Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen, amen. Well, if I were to... If I were to ask at the onset of this message today for a show of hands of everyone this morning who desires a more productive prayer life, I I feel pretty certain that almost 100% of our hands would go up. Amen? If you're, if you're watching online, give me some, give me some raised hands emojis in the, in the chat there. and Let me know. You say, I would, I would love to have a more productive prayer life. I would love to have a more productive prayer life. And, you know, we, we scour the Bible to find examples of great prayer warriors. And as we read the accounts of of people who could call fire down out of heaven and they saw the, the dead raised to life again with just a few short words. We thrill at the thought of those accounts and those uh, narratives as they're written in the Word. But let's be honest. How many of you almost lose your breath at the thought of a prayer life that garners that kind of response from heaven and the kind of response that we've learned about in Scripture? I mean, let's, let's just imagine for a minute this morning, and I don't know why we're imagining, but let's just imagine this morning that, that we called up somebody, someone this morning who needed a miracle. And then through the power of prayer, we simply saw that miracle manifest right here in our presence. That doesn't, does that not just make your insides leap? And... and You know, how much more willing would we be to give our time in prayer if we found that prayer worked in the way that we believe that it should or the way that we've understood that it would? And I I can almost hear the thoughts being processed at this very moment just saying, hey, pastor, wait a minute. How dare you suggest that I feel that prayer isn't working the way that it should? And, And I dare say that that there are many today who hang on the Christian experience, who lay claim to the Christian title, but do little by the way of exercising their faith through prayer because they don't really see prayer as a benefit to them. Who don't really believe that prayer is all that effective. And, And, you know, in a couple of weeks... As you've heard in the announcement, we're going to be having our very first Unite Prayer and Worship Gathering. And I believe that if we all really believe the things that we say we believe about prayer, that this would be the one service of the month. That we would all make special concessions and sacrifices in order to be able to attend. To know that there was an opportunity, especially uh, stating what we believe about the the effect of multiplied prayer. One will put a thousand to flight and two, ten thousand. If we really believe that, then why would we not all make every concession possible, humanly possible, in order to be at the prayer service? 
Once I was leading a church through a season of midweek prayer, that's all we did on Wednesday evenings for a, a long time, was just come in and we sought the Lord and we prayed and we, we just expected miracles from God. And, and I had this one lady come in uh, with this huge dakes under her arms. And uh, she said, so what do, you, what do you all do here on Wednesday night? And I said, we pray. And she looked at me and she said, that's it? No, no teaching? I said, well, we teach on Sunday mornings. We teach on Sunday evenings. And we teach a lot in small group Bible studies and things. But this is a time that we've dedicated simply to prayer and seeking the Lord. She tucked her dakes under her arm. She turned around and went back out the door because she didn't see the value or the benefit of God's people coming together, united in prayer, and standing, believing together for miracles. And it, I believe that if we really believe the things that we say we believe about prayer, we wouldn't get the benediction and the altar call confused, and we wouldn't leave a worship service, a prayer meeting, or end a single day before our hearts had been satisfied before the altar, or at least in some posture of prayer somewhere. You know, we hear people say, when all else fails, pray. Well, why wait for everything else to pray? Why wait before everything else fails before we can pray? You know, I, if we really believed the things that we boast about prayer, it would be our frontline resource and not our last resort. If we really believe what we say we believe about prayer, we wouldn't end our prayer request with an announcement of what our alternative plan is if our prayers are not satisfactorily answered. Have you ever had that conversation? i got to tell you as a pastor, sometimes I get really discouraged because I come up here and I pray and I believe God with people and by the time I meet them in the foyer, they're telling me what they're going to do if God doesn't move in their circumstance. They say, well, I'm trusting the Lord for this thing, but if He doesn't, then here's what I'm planning to do. <laughs> you know, it's amazing sometimes how frustrated we can become when, when we've got this great new gizmo or gadget and it boasts a great potential but offers what we see as little results. You ever had some of those things like, you know, you, you watch that infomercial on TV and it said it does this and this and this and this, but wait, there's more, and it tells you all the great things this thing can do, and then you get it home and you open the box and you're like, man, this thing doesn't do any of that stuff. You know, and you're, you're just so disappointed. But later on, you find, how I many of you have ever done that, but then later on, you had one of those aha moments when you're like, oh, I wasn't doing it the right way. Because if I had been operating this thing the right way, it does the larger majority of the things that it boasts that it does. But I just wasn't doing it right. And, and sometimes we find that the item really would have done all the things that it should have done had it not been for operator error. And James says this. In, in James chapter 4, we read these words, and it says, You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. 
Now I want you to bear that last thought in mind as we progress through this message today, that one that says because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures because there's also a priority in prayer, and we're going to get there in just a minute. But this morning, I want to take a few minutes to be sure that we're handling this powerful weapon of prayer in a manner that's causing us to realize all of its potential and potency. And I want to share with you this morning four principles about prayer, and I'm not all entirely sure that I've not shared this message or something close to it in the past, but at any rate, the word of the Lord for this moment is the priority of prayer. You know, it helps to have someone to talk to in life, doesn't it? How many times have you ever had something weighing on your heart, something pressing on your emotions, and it would have helped so much if you just had someone to talk to? It's, it's a real privilege to have a counselor or someone that you can uh, bear, to whom you can bear your heart or share your feelings or talk through your problems. It, it really helps to have someone to listen to you. It's therapeutic, isn't it? In fact, there are times when we're going through things and perhaps there's no one that it would be prudent for us to tell or no one who would understand what we need to share at that point and we say, I just wish I had someone I could talk to. I mean, if you've ever been in that situation, you just wish there was somebody you could talk to, somebody that would understand, somebody that wouldn't judge, somebody that would just listen to your heart. And we have someone. We have someone to talk to. Moreover, we have someone who understands exactly what we're going through in life and who's not going to judge us, and his name is Jesus. That's one of the privileges of prayer. You know, we, we sing the hymn about the privilege of taking everything to the Lord in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to the Lord in prayer. It's because prayer is a privilege for you and I. It's a privilege that was made possible when Jesus died on the cross and the temple veil was rent from the top to the bottom signifying that those who come by the blood of Jesus Christ can come boldly before the throne of grace to find an ever-present help in the time of need. I'm telling you today, church, that prayer is a privilege. It's not a duty. It's not a burden. It's a privilege. And there are so many in our world today who are taking drastic measures to find peace. Desperate moves, and they're paying hefty prices to find peace and to try to find joy in their lives. And in the book of Philippians, I believe that the Apostle Paul writes the prescription for the original Xanax when he pens these words. And he says this, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's amazing, church. That is amazing. And if I understand this passage correctly, and you would allow me to put it in layman's terms, I believe that the Apostle Paul has found in the Philippian believers a people who are anxious about a great many things. 
And peace has escaped their experience in the Lord. And Paul says, look, you don't have to run yourself crazy or be all stressed out all the time over every little thing, but rather take that situation to the Lord. It's your privilege. It's your privilege to talk it over with Jesus and and he will exchange your worry and fear for the kind of peace that transcends your understanding. In other words, you're going to say, I don't really understand how I can know this feeling of serenity, but since I've talked to Jesus, I'm actually feeling much better about things. So you see, there's a privilege and there's an immediate payoff that accompanies a life of prayer. And when we pray, someone actually hears. He's not an idol on a shelf. He's not a God with deaf ears upon which our petitions fall, but he's listening. Do you know that the ear of the Almighty is attuned to the cry and the prayer of his children? He's listening to you. And then it's not simply that we have a hearer of our petitions but that the God of heaven is moved by our prayers. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, a very familiar passage. You've seen it. You probably have it posted. It's on the front of your calendar, your daily planner. It's on your refrigerator. You've probably got it hanging from your rearview mirror, and you have seen three million posts on Facebook that contain this scripture. And it says this, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I want to tell you, church, something today that this is just as much a scripture that is about repentance as it is about prayer. Because the truth is that repentance and prayer go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. You can't repent without prayer, and you can't have effective prayer without repentance. And the reason I say this is because the psalmist said in Psalm 66 that if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. I want to tell you something, the word if, two simple letters there, and and one syllable is one of the biggest words in the human vocabulary. For those who come by faith with pure hearts, washed of iniquity by the blood of Jesus Christ, there is a promise that awaits for those who seek the Lord in prayer. And the latter part of that text basically says, if you have repented, if you have turned from your wickedness, and you trust in me, you will ask and I will answer. Simple enough. Simple enough. And in the Gospels, Jesus ties several parables with very natural meanings to very simple spiritual principles. And one of those is this. He asks them and says, If you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more does your Father in heaven know how to reward the requests of his children? He then encourages them and says this in Matthew chapter 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. 
for everyone who asks. Every, look at your neighbor, say everyone. If you're watching online, type it in the chat. Say everyone. Everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who asks will receive. The one who seeks will find. To the one who knocks, the door will be open. And the promise of prayer is that once we are engaged, we have the ear of the Almighty. And Isaiah says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. And he has promised that if we pray, he is not only able, but also willing to intervene in our situations. Now I just want to give you a few examples from Scripture here to illustrate the power of prayer. Six times in John's Gospel alone, Jesus says this, You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Church, do you believe that? You will ask me for anything in my name. Well, we know that there are certain things that we're not going to ask in the name of Jesus. We're, we're not going to ask for certain things in a miss, but those things that we can confidently ask in the name of the Lord, we know we can always pray for healing in the name of Jesus. We know that we can always pray for revival and spiritual renewal in the name of Jesus. We know that we can always pray for the blessing and the favor of God to be upon our neighbors and our brothers and sisters in the Lord in the name of Jesus. Those are things that are noble and right and righteous, and we know that we can go confidently confidently before the throne of God in the name of Jesus to make our requests known and that he will answer those things. We have that promise of that kind of power here in the scripture. Remember, remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal? The prophets of Baal cried out all day long to their God with no answer. But then when, a, when the man of God prayed, it was just 60-something words. And the fire fell from heaven. Fire fell from heaven and, and consumed the sacrifices that were there. Now, the Bible says of the apostles in Acts chapter 4, and after they prayed, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of the Lord boldly. i gotta, I got to tell you something, church. My, my vision and my dream and my desire is for somewhere in the chronicles of heaven for it to be written. And the people of Faith Assembly Church came together and stood united in prayer. And Greenville and Winterville, North Carolina was shaken and moved by the power of God. And that was a body that was anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit and proclaimed the word with boldness in their community. And there was a great awakening and revival that began to sweep that land. God help us to be a people that believe in the power of prayer. And we know that through prayer, we can lay hold of the blessing and the provision of the Lord. 
We know that through prayer, the hardened heart of the wayward can be changed. We know that through prayer, situations can be redeemed and turned around. We know, I've, I've been, I have seen the dying receive their strength again. I have witnessed the sick being healed. I've seen demonic powers have to flee because of the prayers of believing people. And it's great to understand that prayer is a privilege and it comes with a promise and that there is, the promise is powerful. As a matter of fact, James says this, Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. I believe in all those things. I believe that prayer is a privilege for us and I believe... That, that prayer is for our good. It's not simply that, that we have some egotistical, tyrannical God that's lording over us that demands that we come and we pay homage to him and we bow down before him. No, but it's because Jesus came and sacrificed his life as an atonement for you and I because our fellowship was broken with our Heavenly Father. And I want to tell you something. God wanted to commune with you through prayer so much so that he sent his only begotten gotten son into the world to offer himself as a sacrifice that by the blood covering of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from our iniquities God could once again regard the prayer of his children and fellowship and commune with us through the power of prayer but I've got to tell you something today I believe these things are more often realized and experienced by those who first know that prayer has a priority. And as gently as I can today, I want to remind you that the priority of prayer is not, is not the opportunity to share with God whatever physical, mental, material, situational need that has been pressing upon our lives at the present time with the expectation that He's going to answer in power according to the promise. That's great. It's wonderful. I believe in the miracle working power of God and I trust that you do as well. But that's not the priority of prayer. We are to pray at all times about all things. But as we're doing so, we need to be sure that we're not leaving out the greatest part. And as we're asking the Lord to heal our bodies, and there's nothing wrong with that, and we're asking the Lord to provide for our physical needs, and there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, that, that Lord provide for us. God meet the need. There's nothing wrong with that prayer that believes God for physical intervention. But we need not forget that the heart of God beats first for our soul. And the priority of prayer is to have a direct line to the throne room of God that our inner man might be strengthened and nourished in the presence of God. And the agenda of heaven might go forward here in earth as it does in heaven. Now, 
John teaches us this concerning the priority of prayer. How many of you want to be blessed? How many of you want to be prospered? How many of you want to be healed? There's nothing wrong with any of that. But listen to the priority of the word of the Lord here. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. But here's the gauge, and here's where the priority is established. I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? We might add to that, what will it profit a man if God answers his need for every material want need desire if he heals every ailment but our heart is not in the right place with god it's moot it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because at the end of the road it's not going to profit us to have not been in right relationship with god and the priority of prayer church is just as Jesus laid it out in the Lord's, what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's first of all recognizing our relationship to God and renewing that relationship to God. Can I tell you that one of the greatest privileges that you and I have ever heard pronounced upon us was when Jesus looked at his disciples and said to them, pray in this way, our Father. Two of the most powerful words in Scripture, our Father. Our Father, the eternal God of the universe whose fellowship with man had been separated by sin. And Jesus said that we're to pray to him and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's, that's the priority of prayer. And listen, it goes on and says, in earth as it is in heaven. And I, I began to think about that. And I said, God, what does that mean exactly? What does it mean for your will to be done in earth as it is in heaven? And I believe the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, well, I don't know if he said well, but anyway. He did for my country self, so anyway. He said, in heaven, there are no fleshly hindrances against my will. And then I began to realize that the place that that prayer starts is not for the world around me, but the earth that is in me. That, that's where that starts. And the priority of prayer is that, first of all, I renew my fellowship with God Almighty. And I set things in order in this earthen vessel so that there are no earthly hindrances between me and the will of God because that is the priority in prayer. God, give me vision. 
to see things like you do. I'm telling you, church, I, I don't mean to hound on this, but I'm going to say it. I, I've seen some of your Facebook posts, and I've got to tell you something. We need the eyes of God in this hour, in this generation of living that we're in, because the adversary is putting all kinds of garbage in front of us. And I'm telling you, there's nothing that is happening in the world around us that needs to cause a discord in the midst of us. I should have got a louder amen than that. There's, there's nothing happening in the world around us that should cause discord in the ranks of the brethren. There's nothing that the adversary has put out there. there. There's nothing happening today that needs to cause division among God's children. I wonder how our lives would be different if we approach, if our approach to prayer began with a sincere seeking and a sincere searching for our spiritual needs to be satisfied before we ever considered one facet of our physical existence. And I'm not saying that every time you're pressed with an emergency situation, you've got to go through these three steps or anything. I'm talking about your daily walk with the Lord, your daily fellowship with him how often do you pray prayers like these for yourself or anyone else for that matter that says these words and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The priority of prayer, right there in that verse, Philippians 1, 9 through 11, it's right there. That love may abound and knowledge and discernment that we can approve and understand the will of God and the things that are excellent and sincere. Paul also prayed for the Philippian church this way, and he says, therefore we also pray always for you that God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasures of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. God help me grow as a believer should be the priority of our prayer. God help my life to bring glory and honor to your name regardless of suffering, regardless of affliction. Help someone else to know you better because of my life. I want to tell you something church, we need to learn again how to pray kingdom centered prayers. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in me. And I'm going to tell you, if enough of us pray that prayer, one by one by one, we want the world to change. But can I tell you something? We just as well not expect the world to change until we're expectant of our own hearts to change. Because as we one by one by one begin to pray that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done is the priority in my life, then things begin to change. 
that's when things will begin to change. Ian Bounds says this, a revival of real praying could produce a spiritual revolution. A revival of real prayer could produce a spiritual revolution. Wouldn't you say we're in need? We're due, right? And it starts right here with us. Right here with us. And today I challenge you to approach the altar of prayer with the eternal part of your being being the priority. Return to the place of prayer to engage in spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is not optional for the believer. Victory is and often depends on the kinds of prayers that we're praying. And if you're in this place today or you're watching online and the Spirit of the Lord is drawing you and you feel that you need prayer for something in your life, I want you to come as the worship team begins to play and let's seek the Lord together and let's believe God. But first and foremost, if there's something, anything in your heart and you're dry and you're empty, I want you to understand that the priority of the heart of God is to touch you in that place and bring restoration and wholeness and healing. I want to tell you today that the priority in prayer for God is to touch the infirmity of your life, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally and bring wholeness and healing today. If you need prayer today, you're watching online, you're not here, drop it in the comments. If you're not ashamed of us knowing, then we'll all be praying for you and believing God with you. But if you're not here today, why don't you make an altar wherever you are right now and just begin to call out to God and pray that simple prayer. Lord, let your kingdom rule in my life, in my mind, in my thoughts. Lord, help me to take every thought captive that is contrary to the character and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, you the first thing to prosper would be inside of me. And I want to invite you to stand all over the sanctuary this morning. I believe the song that Pastor Trey is playing right now is that very one that says, Lord, I look to you. I won't be shaken. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. Give me spiritual eyes to see things like you. And the way I'd like to close today, as many of you as are comfortable today, I want to let you know that these altars are open. And if you would be so bold right now in this moment just to step out from where you are and find a place of prayer here around these altars. If you need prayer for something in specific in particular this morning, then come and just stand here before the altar and we'd love to pray with you today and just, and just touch heaven with you for, for your need. And if you're not comfortable moving out from where you are, then make an altar where you are. Because God is really no respecter of place. He can hear you in the church. He can hear you in your home. He can hear you in your car. Let's just, let's just commit 2021 to be a revival 
a revival of real praying as a church that will produce a spiritual revolution. Amen? Amen. Pastor, would you lead us? And as he does that, just make an altar before the Lord right now and begin to call out to him and begin to look to the Lord right now and, and pray for that spiritual renewal, that restoration, that revival that we need so bad and say, God, let it start in me. Let's look to him together now. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.